Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wade for Wireless, wadeforwireless.com. And today I have a great interview. I interview Steve Martin of Ruckus. Ruckus is a Wi-Fi provider where they do carrier class Wi-Fi products. They do in complete systems. They have routers, they have Wi-Fi units, and they do more than just the carriers. They also do utilities. They solve specific solutions. They have enterprise customers. They're a pretty big deal. And Steve Martin, not the actor, the banjo player, but Steve Martin is the chief technology officer of Ruckus, the CTO. He's the main man there. Along with that, he also is on the board of directors for both the CBRS Alliance and the Wireless Broadband Alliance. So I'm very excited to have Steve on. He's very knowledgeable of the CBRS. I'm very excited because Ruckus is going to make a big play in the CBRS, and it's just something that I'm really looking forward to. Now, for those of you that have been living under a rock for the past year, CBRS, Citizens Broadband Radio Service, it's a 3.5 gigahertz spectrum that we're talking about here. And Steve just has so much insight on use cases, on the licensing, on the spectrum allocation, on the way it's going to be deployed. I mean, and also just so many potentials for the end customer. Now, I do a lot on smart cities too. We dive into smart cities a little bit. We also go into how the carriers can roam on, how we can have finally a neutral host small cell, which is to me very exciting. There's so many things here you you will learn off of Steve. Just a great guy too. Just a fun guy to listen to. First, I want to thank my sponsors, Tower Tracker Pro, towertrackerpro.com. For all your site closeout package needs, whether you're closing out a macro site or a small cell, this software as a service will walk you through step-by-step how to close out, ask you the questions, get everything finished, tell you what pictures to take. You make sure you take all the pictures, you upload it to the cloud, and someone back at the office can verify. And uh, they can inspect everything before the crew leaves the site. Remember, one site visit. That's the goal. Also, I want to thank, ta- I want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction towersafety.com. They also have online training at teltech-college, T-E-L-T-E-C-H-C-O-L-L-E-G-E.com, teltechcollege.com. They will take care of not only your tower and safety needs, but they also have drone training. They have a mix of training, which is online, which a lot of people can take for a lot of the safety stuff and also for some tower certification information. You can also get books and information there that uh, that I helped uh, put on there. But you also have live training. They actually have a school where they teach people tower safety, tower rescue, and climbing and certification classes that way. So we still have all these certifications for climbers. Don't forget that I also have the LTE deployment handbook for small cells, CRAN, and DAS. That book's still out there. I also have the 5G deployment planning handbook. That's also out there. Now, let's get to the interview because it's good stuff, and I think you'll really be excited. If you want to learn about the CBRS, I've had some really good interviews lately. This one hits a home run. And here's the interview with Steve Martin of Ruckus. Hey, everybody. Today on the phone I have, believe it or not, Steve Martin from Ruckus. Yes, Ruckus. They're truly amazing in Wi-Fi. We all know that. But now they're entering the CBRS market, which I am very excited about. And I asked Steve today to come on the show to give us 
a background, an education of, of the CVRS, how it works, how the licensing works, all the confusing things about it, and who's going to use it. So, hey, Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great, Wade. Thanks for the opportunity to join you on the podcast. Oh, I appreciate you uh, coming on and taking the time to do this. I know you're a busy guy, so I'll just get right into it. Could you tell us just a little bit about Ruckus, you know, a brief history and maybe where where you're going here in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think, you know, hopefully a lot of people are familiar with Ruckus. Uh, you know, we have for many years been well known as a manufacturer of, you know, professional Wi-Fi systems you know, primarily for enterprise and service provider applications, enterprise and service provider uh, Wi-Fi infrastructure. And that continues to be really the core of our business. You know, we have worldwide perhaps 250 service provider carriers of all kinds, from cable providers to mobile and fixed line guys, um, you know, with et cetera, worldwide. And then we also sell to the enterprise market, particularly mid-tier enterprises, is, uh, you know, been a, a huge adopter of Wi-Fi systems and certainly we well known in those circles. Um, you know, our, our claim to fame has been, you know, high performance and reliability and, you know, generally a bit easier to deploy and to use than perhaps other systems and that continues to be a focus for us. Um, you know, but given the markets that we serve and, you know, kind of the technology and the customers we have, we found that there is, while, the you know, we have customers telling us that, hey, Ruckus, we love your Wi-Fi and your Wi-Fi systems are great, um, but we still, even though that solves a lot of problems for us, you know, we still have issues with, you know, cellular coverage, indoor cellular coverage, and there aren't any really cost-effective solutions that will enable us to solve kind of that category of problems that perhaps isn't isn't as completely addressed by Wi-Fi as we would like, you know, is there anything you can do for us? And frankly, that's kind of what has led us down this path to start looking at small cell, LTE, small cell, and CBRS uh, in particular uh, as a potential solution to, to really to help our customers. Wow. So you guys are branching out to more than Wi-Fi. And I know when people think of Ruckus, they think of carrier class Wi-Fi. Or at least I do, to be honest with right. you, because it's, you know, it's, it's really the best of the best. Is, and that's my perception. So now, because you are a carrier class, I guess you're going to break into the small cell market. And, 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 and you can expand on this. But what I'm really interested in today is the CBRS. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. Because it's new, it's exciting. And it's not going to be just for the carriers. That, that's why I'm excited, because it's going to, in my opinion, it's going to open up to new markets. It's going to open up so much more than, than what we had before to, uh, to, you know, to new players and to the enterprise, maybe to IoT, whoever's going to use it. You know, I just see new opportunities. So first off, since you uh, know everything about it, <laughs> since you're the expert, no pressure, <laughs> but you are the expert. But... Um, could you tell us about the way uh, they're going to allocate the spectrum? And you, you can tell us about the spectrum, the bandwidth, and the way they're going to allocate it. But the way the licensing works, and I know I read this, people have told me this, but it, it still gets a little confusing, just a high level. But also, when someone outside of the carrier space, because the carriers will be the, you know, the, the primary users 
in, in their space, and they'll be the three-year, well, right now it's three years, but they'll license it. But someone outside of it in the lightly licensed space, too, I'm curious how that's going to work. Sure. So, you know, if you look at, you know, maybe stepping back a bit, and as we, you know, and, and certainly, obviously, I would agree with you, we're well known for carrier class Wi-Fi, and we, we certainly pride ourselves on that. And, you know, and, and looking at some of the, looking at, you know, what I mentioned prior, which is, you know, some of the gaps in the market in terms of indoor cellular coverage, and, and as I, you know, analyzed that over the past few years, you know, it became evident that, you know, and this isn't strictly indoor, but, you know, let's just focus there for a moment because there I think the problem is is most acute. You know, what were the problems or what are the roadblocks to getting better cellular coverage indoor? And it really came down to business economics. If You know, if you have major public buildings, airports and things of that sort, you know, stadiums, uh, you know, the operators um, are motivated, the mobile operators are motivated, you know, to help provide coverage there by helping to finance equipment and systems to do that. It's quite expensive, the existing systems, but, you know, if it's a high-profile, highly trafficked public area, then there's a good, basically a good ROI model for, for the mobile operators. You know, it's all at the end of the day, it's all about business. Um but if you get to many other buildings, the bulk of the buildings, really hundreds of thousands of the buildings in the U.S. alone or perhaps millions worldwide, um, you know, there really aren't cost-effective solutions for in-building cellular coverage. And and so looking at the reasons for that, you know, the primary reason, you know, one of the primary impediments has been, you know, the cost of deployment uh, using license bands license band spectrum you have to have you know small cells or you know uh, you know cellular coverage indoors that effectively uses that same license band and that really drives up deployment costs because you you know need a different small cell for each carrier they each use different spectrum they perhaps interfere with the macro that's outdoors uh, just outside that building so you know frequency coordination and careful planning are required all these things, frankly, have led to a gap in the market where it's just not economical in many cases to deploy, you know, cellular systems into these mid-sized buildings, which are, are frankly, the most common, you know, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 square foot buildings. And so what's different about CBRS is it changes that paradigm. This is really why we're so excited about it and the industry is so excited about it is it changes the paradigm because instead of being operator-owned spectrum, it's coordinated shared spectrum that the operator doesn't own, that um, anyone can ultimately use this spectrum, but it is coordinated and shared. And that kind of breaks one of the, the paradigms and therefore allows neutral spectrum to be used for cellular services, which kind of changes the whole deployment model for indoors um, and and potentially for outdoor different applications. We can talk about different applications. But, you know, this has been the big change with CBRS is moved to this shared spectrum. Uh, let me touch just very briefly on an analogy I use to help people understand how this works. 
I think you know perhaps a lot of people are familiar with a DHCP server, how you, how you get an IP address if you're you know a computer and you boot up and you request an IP address from a DHCP server and it grants you an IP address and you have effectively a lease on that IP address that you can use that you know for the for the length of your session on your computer. Uh, most people are familiar with that paradigm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really how the spectrum allocation systems work. Uh, your radio, your your CBRS radio access point, if you will, will boot up and it and it sends a request to a spectrum allocation server, which is authorized by the FCC, and says, "Hey, I need 20 megahertz of spectrum." Um, that I want to use in this location, and I'll be transmitting at this power level, et cetera. Can I have, you know, can I have a lease, a temporary lease on 20 megahertz of spectrum? And the spectrum allocation server will check for conflicts. It'll check for nearby neighbors, um, effectively coordinate the use of the spectrum, and it will return you uh, a message, a protocol message that says, yes, you can use this 20 megahertz, you know, in this location. Um, you know, for the ongoing period of time. And so, you know, so this is radically different. This has never been done before, and particularly on the scale of the whole United States. So it's very groundbreaking. That, that's amazing. So just like a DHCP server, someone can fire this up, and it'll go out and automatically allocate the spectrum that you can use in that particular, let's say, building, in that particular space in the building. That's incredible. Right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And then yeah, the database. So oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna just one more thing, just to clarify. Sure. So, if if the guy next door, let's say there's two guys, two offices right next to each other. If the if the guy next door fires up his unit and he goes, you know, it goes out to DH. Let, let, I'm using DHCP, but it goes out out, and the database says, "Hey, this guy has this spectrum. You can have this spectrum." And it keeps them completely like isolated from each other. Is that is that fairly accurate? Yeah. No. Exactly. So the the goal of the spectrum allocation server is a couple things. Number one, its first job is to protect incumbent usage. So this this CBRS band, which is 150 megahertz, spanning from 3.6 gigahertz, or excuse me, 3.55 gigahertz up to 3,700 gigahertz, so it's 150 megahertz of spectrum. Um, There are currently users in that band, like any spectrum, there are some usage. One of it is Defense Department uh, for aircraft carriers, for landing and flight operations for aircraft carriers. Um, One of the other uses is for some fixed satellite services. And and so first first and foremost, the spectrum server job is to protect those incumbent uses to make sure that they don't get interfered with. But they're kind of few and far between, so that's a pretty easy job, important but easy job. The second level responsibility of the Spectrum server is exactly what you said. If you have, if I have a building and you're the building next door and we both install systems, um, as part of this request and grant process, you know, we have to tell the server this is our exact location, latitude, longitude, and actually Z parameter. 
parameter as well, how high up you are, what floor you're on or whatever, and what transmit power we want to use, and are we indoor or are we outdoor. And the spectrum allocation server's job is to try as best it can to coordinate that spectrum so that we don't interfere with each other if we're next door to each other. So that that's exactly the, the point. Wow, that's pretty cool. So backing up, do you apply, like for the lightly licensed part, for the guy in his office, would he apply for a license through, like the old days with, with the uh, WiMAX systems, you would apply for a license and you got that particular spectrum, where, where this is pretty awesome. You know, it's actually assigned to you. How do they track who, specifically who has what? Is it is it also through this, like federated wireless, the database here in the States, and you can correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. So how do they track who has what? Yeah, so it's the basically there'll be a handful of spectrum allocation service vendors. The, these vendors need to be authorized by the FCC, so there's not going to be hundreds of these. There's going to be some small number of these. Uh, two of the early leaders certainly are Federated and Google. Um, uh, Comscope is building a server. Red Technologies out of France. There's, there's, uh, and and my apologies to any vendors that I missed there. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, you know, there's a handful of vendors who are bringing together these spectrum allocation servers authorized by the FCC, and effectively as a building owner or as anyone who wants to deploy a CBRS infrastructure, a CBRS system, you'll have to contract with them. You'll have to enter into a subscription with one of the SaaS vendors. doesn't matter which one because they all are required by law to interchange information. So talking to one is just like talking to all of them. But you will have to subscribe to that. That'll be a service, say, as an enterprise, you would have a monthly subscription to the spectrum allocation server. And then your radios uh, will continually uh, talk to that spectrum allocation server to make sure that the spectrum that you're on is still okay to use and that you're still alive and you're complying with the law and that type of thing. So, so they will absolutely know not only who you are, um, it, it, with privacy taken care of, of course, and all that kind of things. But um, they will know who you are. They will know where your radios are, what power level they're at, et cetera. Um, and so all that will be known by these centralized servers. Wow, isn't that amazing? That is so amazing. That just blows my mind. I mean, when you read about the CVRS, you don't realize how advanced, how detailed the channel assignment is. And it's just it's going to be awesome. So. With all that said, who do you see the target users for this? I, I know we see the carriers, and you can get into mm -hmm. that a little bit if you want. I know we're going sure. to see the carriers, but outside the carriers, the enterprise, IoT plays, or even even just private network plays, wh what do you see? Yeah, what's frankly really cool about this whole thing is, you know, no one is. It's, it's never really been done anywhere in the world before, and certainly never been done at this scale, and you know, frankly, our our strong sense is this is kind of the, the future. I mean, you're going to see, you know, Spectrum is like beachfront property. They, you know, they don't make more of it, um, you know, yeah. and 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 things are getting more and more crowded. So you can almost see this in some form or another as being inevitable that this kind of model will become more and more common. But, you know, that said, 
the way it's constructed um, with various licensing tiers within CBRS, et cetera, it kind of has a little bit of something for everybody. Um, it's it's interesting. It's it's not you know the completely unlicensed of Wi-Fi, um, and it's not the you know billion dollar licenses of license spectrum. It, it's this really interesting compromise that we think is going to trigger many many new innovative business models and use cases. Certainly, as you said, you know there's this the established mobile operators and, you know, the Verizons and T-Mobiles and AT&Ts, you know, with Sprints, et cetera. Um, maybe Sprint a little less because they have a bunch of 2.5 two spectrum um, that they're sitting on. But, you know, but certainly in general, mobile operators are going to utilize this, uh, you know, for for the normal things that they do, filling in capacity in high-density situations, things of that sort. So, you know, so that's a given. We also see the um, the MSOs, the cable operators. Um, you know, Comcast obviously recently announced their mobile service uh, in utilizing the Verizon MVNO. Um, you know, I think that you're going to see Comcast, Charter, perhaps eventually Cox, et cetera, all the various cable companies in the U.S. Uh, will ultimately adopt some form of this because, you know, it just makes so much sense for them economically to at least build out in some portion their own cellular systems, uh, perhaps using this 3.5 CBRS spectrum. But, you know, then moving beyond kind of these typical mobile operator, if you will, type of applications, uh, you know, what we are very excited about is the possibility of really solving the indoor enterprise coverage problems and doing so in a way that allows enterprises to deploy cellular services, LTE cellular services, in much the same way that they deploy Wi-Fi systems today, where an enterprise, you know, an enterprise that has a 200,000 or 300,000 square foot building, et cetera, um, you know, could reasonably buy systems and deploy them, frankly, somewhat independent of the mobile operators and be able to get improved in-building coverage for their employees or the patrons of that business, et cetera, um, you know, and do so in a very cost-effective and efficient manner, similar to what they do with Wi-Fi today. And then once they do that, then effectively you have private LTE services, which can be used for things such as uh, IoT. Um, you know, that's another huge opportunity is, you know, to extend this to, uh, you know, really high reliability IoT services for industrial automation. You can easily see airports, factories, you know, you know, your imagination can go wild on this stuff in terms of industrial IoT capabilities where private LTE networks would make a huge amount of sense. And then, of course, there's traditional uses also like the rural broadband, WISP connections, and things of that sort. So, you know, whether it be in-building cellular, mobile, outdoor mobile services, IoT, you know, for enterprise or industrial IoT, rural broadband, and fixed wireless connectivity. I mean, there's many, many applications that, you know, that are enabled by this model that we're really excited about. I can't believe how aligned we are because that's that's exactly what I think. I think it's going to be, it's going to, this spectrum is going to enable so much innovation. And when I say innovation, 
just like you said, the industrial IoT play. That's exactly what I see it used for, private networks, enterprise, because we've all seen what the carriers innovate. I'm not busting on the carriers. They, they've done a lot of innovation. They've done a lot of great things, but they need to see a mass market appeal. So when they innovate or when they come up with new ideas or try things, they need a bigger payback than the guy that's doing it to solve his problem. And there might be a thousand other guys trying to solve his like a similar problem or the same problem in their network. A private network, very secure, very fast because you don't have anything else on it, and you actually get to play with LTE. And and also, like you said, the carriers could roam on. An enterprise could set up their own network, and maybe if they want to, they could let the carriers roam onto their network. Is sort of what I see. I mean, it's just it's just cool. You know, it's amazing. It's really neat. I just can't wait to see what what's going to happen with it. But yeah, I yeah, love your and we see, yeah, and we see. I mean, that's exactly the way we see the market unfolding. A lot of other people do as well. Um, you may be familiar with, or if you haven't, you should take a look at it. Um, you know, we, along with five other companies, last year started the CBRS Alliance, which is really, and you can you know just go and Google on that CBR Alliance, um, but. You know, we started that with five other companies actually last August, I guess. It, it officially opened the CBRS lines for like-minded companies that want to help develop this ecosystem, uh, you know, around all these different applications and, you know, ensure interoperability and, and kind of build solutions around this. And, you know, we've grown from the initial six companies that helped found that alliance I, you know, I, I, you know, I struggle with kind of the current count because it keeps changing. But you know, I think in in nine months we're now at a roughly sixty members companies, or maybe even a little north of that. Um, so there's huge interest. I mean, companies are joining literally every day. I'm seeing new announcements of new companies joining the CBRS alliance, and all kinds of companies as well. I mean, kind of reflecting the diversity of the applications that we just talked about. You know, you, you look and it's it's not just the equipment manufacturers where you're starting to see, you know, all kind of device manufacturers. We're seeing wireless service providers, the mobile guys, the cable guys, the the uh, rural and long distance lifts, you know, industrial companies. So all kinds of companies are seeing the opportunity here and and you can see, you know, very visible evidence of that just by looking at the the membership of the CBRF Alliance and what's going on there. Um, one of the other applications we see that's kind of interesting, and it's related, but, you know, is is around smart cities. And I know you've done, weighed a bunch of stuff around smart cities, and, you know, yeah. and that's an interest of area of interest. And as Ruckus, we certainly do a lot there, you know, like Link NYC that we've done with Intersection, doing the uh, kiosks in New York City and, you know, expanding that to other cities. But, you know, if you look at the cities, this is yet another example of where CBRS could play, where, you know, the cities want to control that infrastructure. They already have um, the infrastructure. They, you know, they, they have the sidewalks, they have the lampposts, they have the traffic lights, they have, yep. you know, fiber infrastructure. And so, you know, they not only want to provide services for their citizens in terms of digital divide and things of that sort, but once they start setting that up, um, they also want to utilize those capabilities to provide city services, whether it, you know, and the many of those could be IoT, police, fire, IoT applications, et cetera. And 
You know, and this provides another opportunity where even a mid-sized city or even smaller cities can become their own mini service provider. And so we're seeing a lot of excitement around that where CBRS kind of intersects, if you will, um, with, you know, smart city applications. And so, you know, a bunch of excitement around that as well as another application. Well, I, I couldn't agree more because the smart city is going to need the spectrum. They're going to need the freedom to do what they want. They can't rely on the carriers to do everything. And let's face it. Wi-Fi, as great as it is, it's just not going to hack this. I mean, this is something where you can, you know, you have the LTE format. Yeah, it's it's a mobile solution. You can roam from solution, you know, I mean, you can roam from cell to cell, and you can take it from outdoors to indoors. And I think that's that's just going to be such a game changer. I, th- yeah, I think no, it's absolutely. really going to change the face of the way wireless is done because now it won't just be in the hands of the carriers, but smaller businesses could have their own smaller private, like just citywide networks for people to roam on. You know, it's, uh, it, I feel it would be a lot more reliable than Wi-Fi. You know, I mean, once you're there, you have your dedicated spectrum, whether it moves or not, you know, it's up to you. So I just can't wait till we see it on more devices. I think that'll be exciting. Yeah, and we're starting to see, you know, I think the mobile phones, obviously, you know, in terms of smartphone support, et cetera, you know, we expect to start to see those roll out in 2018. Um, You know, they're they're being seeded somewhat by some of the same spectrum as used internationally in places like Japan. So mobile cellular services using the same spectrum is being rolled out by the major carriers in Japan. So that's helping to drive kind of the device ecosystem. But, you know, we'll see, you know, hopefully devices in terms of smartphones starting to appear in 2018. But, you know, we're already starting to see um, many manufacturers who make, you know, other devices, you know, non-mobile phone devices. So as we talk about these IoT applications, whether it be dongles or MiFi devices or just chip modules that could go into IoT applications, things like that, that whole ecosystem is definitely ramping up. Um, quite quickly. So, you know, I think as as we get through the back half of this year and into next year, you'll see, you know, more and more networks getting built and ultimately these applications starting to become real. So as far as ruckus goes, who are who do you think will be your target customers? And I'm not asking for names. I'm asking for like, is and you don't have to. I mean, obviously, you can tell me anything you want. But is it sure. is it the carriers? Is it the enterprise? Or are you going to? Or you might. It might be everybody, right? That's a, that's an acceptable answer. But are you right. also going to try to help like the industrial IoT people that are in the in the huge warehouse manufacturing widgets? You know, thousands a day where they need a dedicated LTE system to to uh, control everything, to track everything to give them a real-time update on, on how progress is coming. I mean, you have so many opportunities here, so many things. How is Ruckus going to focus on, on all these or any of these solutions, yeah. uh, the customers, customer base? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, so as you, as we've talked about, I mean, you know, kind of, you know, from uh, just a CBRS perspective, you know, there, there are a huge amount of opportunities that cover a, a vast array of applications. Uh, you know, as Ruckus, you know, our really our emphasis will largely be to serve the customers in the markets that we serve today and view this as kind of a, 
augmentation of our Wi-Fi offerings. As you said, I mean, Wi-Fi solves a lot of problems. It's, you know, it's great in many regards. It's very cost-effective, high bandwidth. Um, you know, but obviously LTE has a place as well. I mean, the two dominant radio technologies are and will continue to be those two, and we view them as somewhat complementary. And so, you know, as we look at the markets we serve today, which are the carriers, um, the cable operators, certainly some of the mobile operators in the U.S. are among our biggest customers. And so certainly, you know, and they will be adopting this, and and some of them have made public announcements um, regarding that. Um, and, so, you know, in the future, I expect more will. But, you know, certainly serving the carriers who are our customers today on the Wi-Fi side, we would absolutely expect uh, first and foremost to do that. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, things like smart cities, which we mentioned, you know, we've been very, we're doing a lot of work today with many, both large cities, be it New York, Paris, London, but, you know, also, uh, you know, San Francisco, San Jose, et cetera, um, but also lots of smaller cities, Lincoln, Nebraska, et cetera. So I think, you know, helping kind of mid-tier and smaller cities um, you know, with complementary products of Wi-Fi, LTE, and, you know, adding additional radio interfaces to make kind of economical solutions for cities to roll out that help solve real problems in a very cost-effective way for the cities. I mean, that will certainly continue to be a theme for us. And then certainly not last, but not least, and, and maybe not last, but, you know, enterprise is a huge, you know, it's a huge market for us today. Um, and that's a, a big part of our business. And so enterprise applications, particularly indoor enterprise applications, are you know kind of a huge focus for us where we believe that this technology will be helpful. So you know I, I think you know we're, we're probably not going to jump into doing rural broadband that, that you know or, or things such as that. That's not really where you know as any company we need do need to focus and we'll tend to focus on the markets that we serve today. I'm glad you pointed that out because rural broadband, and I try to bring this up when I talk about smart cities, it's a very different solution. And I, I think people need to understand that. But I think as far as a smart city solution, you're spot on. I just see this as really, I always say game changer, but I really do. It's just going to be something that opens up new doors for so many more solutions that the smart city may, that, that they just didn't have outside of the carriers. Let me put it that way. It's just really a game changer. So, And you also, you know, the other thing I want to point out, as far as the CBRS specifically goes, you see it as an indoor and an outdoor solution, both? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, certainly, you know, indoor we've, we've talked about where you can bring private LTE networks indoor and with spectrum allocation servers, et cetera, you know, you'll be able to deploy that. But, you know, additionally outdoor there is, you know, and this is obviously one of the differences with Wi-Fi, where Wi-Fi is in ISM band and therefore is, you know, large, you know, is somewhat power limited. Uh, as you get uh, outdoors, for, you know, on CBRS, there still are regulatory limits around power, but, you know, they're a lot different. You can basically, with CBRS, you're allowed to build a 50-watt base station. So, wow. you know, clearly you can, you can build some, you know, some pretty big iron here. I mean, it's not a macro cell. But, you know, a 50-watt base station, you know, you, you can definitely cover some area. Uh, now, of course, it depends on whether you're talking urban applications with urban clutter or whether you're covering, you know, um, you know, part of Montana. 
Yep. But but the point is, you can you know there are large base stations that you can build with this technology, given the regulatory uh, limitations, if you will, or and the power limitations. Uh, and so, you know, it it absolutely is going to be an outdoor technology. I should mention, and and I think you've mentioned this in some of your blogs. You know, as we look at CBRS, there are two multiple tiers. There's the incumbent tier, which is you know, like the Navy with an aircraft carrier, and we have to make sure we don't interfere with those. That's kind of job one. But then there are two tiers below that, which is what makes this band so innovative. Innovative. There's the GAA, Generally Authorized Access, I think it stands for, which is this very lightly licensed. Um, the spectrum doesn't really cost you anything. You just have to communicate with a SAT, with this spectrum allocation server, and you're allowed to use that spectrum. That's that's got to be the most common denominator. Um, but then there also is, for part of the spectrum, it doesn't cover the whole band, but the, for part of this 150 megahertz, there is the future possibility of this PAL layer, this priority access layer, where uh, as an operator, you'll be able to obtain a license to kind of an exclusive use license for just that portion of the spectrum uh, so for some of these outdoor applications in in more sparse areas, you probably don't need a PAL. Uh, the spectrum allocation server will do a good enough job to ensure non-interference. But if you're in New York City where it's a more crowded environment, there will be an option that you'll be able to to um, utilize kind of a this licensed you know licensed part of the band uh, to deploy outdoor services and and reasonably be guaranteed that there won't be any interference. So, you know, so it's a very flexible band. It, it's, it's you know, fascinating how they put this thing together. Um, and, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Steve, thanks for explaining that. I always wondered about that, and that I wasn't clear on about the outdoor and the, the way the licensing works. But thank you. I appreciate that. Now, I have one more question. To me, it's a big one. And uh, okay. this is something everybody asks. Is it possible that we could have a small cell solution, CBRS, let's say, in, in the CBRS band, where we could have multiple carriers on one radio. Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that, that, frankly, was what got us, you know, as ruckus, that's what really got us interested and excited about this band. Because if you look at, you know, what's what's been the problem and continues to be the problem with LTE small cells? I mean, you know, people have been talking about LTE small cells for as long as I can remember, or, or cellular small cells. First it was 3G, now 4G. Um, and frankly, they've been, they've never really gone anywhere. Um, they've just, you know, not, never, you know, never had really broad deployments to, despite these huge, you know, kind of graphs that go up and to the right and all this stuff. And, you know, and, and what's the issue? Well, one one of the major issues is that, you know, each small cell, whether it was 3G or now 4G LTE, is, is tied to a specific operator because it's tied to their specific spectrum. And and when you start digging into this in detail, you know, the economics just never work out. <laughs> um, yeah. It's kind of the bottom line. It just, you know, you start looking at it and the cost of deployment and it only serves one operator, et cetera. And you start looking at it. It's not a technical issue. It's just the economics don't work. And so... The small cells have continued to be, frankly, a bit of a disappointment. And what's so exciting about CBRS is that move to having 
spectrum that is shared that is not tied to a specific operator kind of makes it a little bit more like the Wi-Fi model, albeit it's LTE and albeit the spectrum is coordinated, but, but you know, the spectrum is not tied to a specific operator. So what we've been, so that starts to open the door to offering multiple services over the same radio infrastructure. And, and to us, that's really what's exciting. So part of what we've been doing in the CBRS Alliance is developing with many other companies the specifications to agree on how to offer services from multiple mobile operators, whoever they might be, over a single small cell, over a single converged radio infrastructure. And once you get to that point, then also the economics of this stuff start to make sense, and we believe that, particularly for indoor applications, um, you know, the 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 popularity of this will just ramp extremely quickly as this becomes uh, prevalent. So I think you know between the shared spectrum and the new and the you know kind of shared radio um, infrastructure capabilities and specifications that are being developed in the CBRS alliance. It opens the door to, you know, uh, a completely new model of handling cellular services over a single converged radio infrastructure. And in my opinion, that's going to be the game changer. That's going to be the thing that really opens it up for small cells, and especially for this band, is the fact that carriers are going to look at this model, and this is my opinion, but I would think carriers would look at this model and say, you know what? This is a small area we don't want to deploy. We can just roam on to somebody else's network for, I would assume, a reasonable... I don't know what... Not worried about the financials, but let's just say we can roam onto that network. Suddenly, we have coverage in this building and that building and those smaller tiered buildings, which you obviously don't want to invest in DAS or even to put small cells in. I just think that is going to be a huge game changer, and it's going to really improve coverage for everyone everywhere. Uh, and, that, you know, again, my my vision, that's my vision, <laughs> how they should roll out deals with everybody. And I know it's easier than it sounds. There's a lot of logistics and backhaul and the, the connecting to the core, but I'm telling you, all that stuff's technical, can be worked out. I don't know what your opinion is, but in my head it can be worked out because they're already doing it with Wi-Fi. They're already doing it with some small cells. And even T-Mobile, you know, they're they're trying different things like that, you know, with their femto cells. I just see a similar model. I don't know what you think. I don't know if you want to comment yeah. that, but yeah, no, I mean, I think you're 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 absolutely right on. Um, you know, I think the technical issues are largely solved or solvable. I mean, frankly, you know, that that's not really the impediment at this point. I think between the shared spectrum and the specifications for multi-operator support, you know, the technical issues are, are largely um, resolved at this point or certainly easily resolvable. And so, you know, and I think if you have honest discussions with some of the operators, of course it's a new model, so frankly they're going to be in many cases slow to adopt this because it's it's a new model. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it takes them a while to digest this. But it, but if you have honest discussions and and certainly I have had with a number of them, you know they they understand and agree that you know it'll take them a while to get comfortable with this. But for a lot of these buildings, they realize that they're indoor coverage problems. They're not going to be able to address them because it just doesn't fit their business model, and they get that. Um, and so if there's a way to economically have 
building owners and enterprises and venue owners deploy systems that provide better coverage for the cellular customers indoors. I mean, that's a win-win for everybody. It doesn't cost the mobile operators anything to get better coverage indoors and therefore happier subscribers. So, you know, what's not to like about this? So, you know, there's a certain inevitability to it. Um, you know, it will take time because it is a new business model for particularly the mobile operators to you know, get comfortable with this, but you you can just almost sense the inevitability of this. That's what I see. I feel the same way. It's exciting to me, and and I like what you said. All the technical issues can be handled because remember, if an engineer says it can't be done, that just means it's no fun to do because you know they can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Steve. Thank you. I mean, I, I just appreciate it, and I, I can't believe how our views align. I mean, really, I mean, it, it blows my mind just how exciting it is and how how you have the same, obviously, you and Ruckus have the same vision that I really have as far as rolling mm -hmm. out the CBRS, what it can be used for, how open the possibilities are. I mean, really, it's going to be limited to the end user's imagination to what they can do. They just have to be willing to invest the time and the money to do it. But it just this spectrum is going to open up a whole new world of technology and innovation, and I can't wait. So, hey, tell us uh, how to get a hold of you if you're interested or how to reach out to Ruckus or, um, you know, basically anything new you want to mention for Ruckus. Yeah, no, I, you know, appreciate that. Obviously, we're in the thick of this, and I'm a huge, huge supporter of CBRS and, and helping to drive our efforts, um, you know, both within the company and within the industry with respect to that. So, uh, you know, you can always reach me as Steve at ruckuswireless.com. Um, so easy to uh, hopefully remember that in terms of email addresses and you know if you have an interest in this or a business opportunity or you want to talk about it you know please feel free to reach out to me you know we're hugely excited about this you know both individually and myself and as a company and so you know really appreciate Wade you you know taking the time you know uh, putting together kind of a thoughtful uh, podcast on this and hopefully you know this is uh, give some people some exciting new information. I'm hope, I hope so, too. I'm a big fan of CBRS. Thank you very much for being on the show. I would like to thank Steve for coming on the show. I'd like to thank Ruckus for putting all this together. And I really do appreciate your time for listening. I really do. Thanks, everybody. If you can, subscribe. I'd appreciate if you'd subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think of the podcast. And uh, go over to wadeforwireless.com and check out what I have there. I have a ton of blogs. I talk a lot about tech, smart cities, wireless, everything. And the CBRS is very exciting to me because it's going to open up new doors. All right, everyone. Again, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya! Mm -hmm.